Do this look like work to you? Nah. This is the Double A Balls Podcast with your hosts. Ooh. See, now we're spitting hot fire, Andy. Woo! Andrew Romanella. I like that. That's what I'm talking about. I'll be the best cheerleader. Father Time apparently doesn't know Tom Brady's address. And Anthony Rinaldi. Love the hardwood. That's my passion. Houston, they don't have a problem. Listen, you don't even have to listen. Now it's time for the show. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. This is the Double A Balls Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Romanella, and I am solo this evening for episode 17 of the Double A Balls Podcast. My partner, Anthony Andrew, how are ya? is hopefully on assignment, making the show just a little bit better. So it's me, it is you, it is the Double A Balls podcast, it's Double A Balls on Twitter and on Instagram, com for the apparel, for the gear, and of course, find us on iTunes, Podbean, Apple Podcast, get there, rate us, subscribe to the podcast, I got a great show for you today, a little NBA, a little NHL, a little MLB, of course a little what do you got, and because my partner is not here, we cannot learn what he knows about sports, but nonetheless, we get going, and I want to start in the NBA, ladies and gentlemen, because the Toronto Raptors have thoroughly thoroughly disappointed me as an NBA basketball fan to believe that the Raptors were actually going to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers in a seven-game series is unthinkable now after watching what happened. 15 of the last 17 times the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Toronto Raptors have squared off. The Cavaliers have come away victorious. 10 straight Times, yes, 10 straight times the Cleveland Cavaliers have defeated the Toronto Raptors. They've knocked them out of the playoffs the last three years, two straight sweeps. This is a Toronto team, ladies and gentlemen, that came in with 59 wins on the season. They were the one seed, the one seed in the playoffs, and LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers came in and absolutely swept the floor of them in four games. And I think what disappointed me the most about this series, more than anything, was the fact that it felt like, and you don't want to say this about professional athletes because they're professional athletes. They are the best of the best, and they are there for a reason. They've put in the time. They've put in the work. They've put in the effort to do so. But when the best of the best look like they've given up That's when I have a problem. When the guy that is making multiples of millions of dollars, when those guys are starting to give up, and I can see that as I'm watching it on my television screen, that's what disappoints me. And Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, Lowry showed up a little bit. DeMar DeRozan was nowhere to be found. Benched in game three, barely played, didn't play in the fourth quarter. He was ejected in game number four for a flagrant two foul. Um, Hard hit on the head of one of the Cavaliers players, got kicked out in the third quarter. So just a forgettable series for DeMar DeRozan. So now where do you go if you're the Toronto Raptors? Yeah, we'll talk about the Cavaliers. We'll talk about King James. We'll talk about it. Number 23, the resemblance to Michael Jordan. I think Ty Lue said it after the game. Hey, 
Toronto Raptors are a really good team with a really good head coach that did some fantastic things this year. Unfortunately, they're just doing it in the era of LeBron James. Just like so many great teams went to die in the era of Michael Jordan. Think about it. Think about how many great teams never happened because of the six times Michael Jordan won a championship. Think about the amount of times teams went to die because Kobe Bryant was alive. That's what you're seeing with LeBron James. So where do the Toronto Raptors go? Well, you have no cap space going into next season. DeRozan and Lowry are both signed. No longer than one and two more year deals left on both contracts. Serge Ibaka doesn't really look like he's the guy that you need him to be in your starting five. Is he still a good player in this league? 100%. Is he an elite player in this league? Maybe. Is he a starter in this league? Maybe. So you're going to have to get creative if you're Toronto. But at the end of the day, much like Houston came out and said at the beginning of this year when they traded for Chris Paul in the offseason last year, we're doing all of this so we can beat the Golden State Warriors. We know it, and you know it. So we're not going to sugarcoat it. That's the same thing for every team in the East, really. But right now, for the Toronto Raptors. Because I believe, and, and yeah, Boston's good. Philly's good. I believe any team actually probably could have beaten the Toronto Raptors. Maybe they're just really not as good as we think they are. Maybe they're just not that good of a playoff team. Maybe this is also proving to all of us that the regular season in the NBA doesn't really matter. Insert Golden State Warriors. Insert Cleveland Cavaliers. Insert any other team that underachieved, quote-unquote, in the regular season, but we knew once it got to the postseason, it was on. Either way, the Raptors have fooled us each of the last three years. And I would like Drake, along with anybody else that is a big believer in the Toronto Raptors and what they are and how good they are, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I've said it on the show plenty of times. Go back. iTunes, Podbean, Apple Podcasts. I say it every episode. Go back. The Toronto Raptors are not a great team. They are not a feared team unless they find a way to win in the playoffs. Prove it to me in the playoffs. DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, you're not, in my opinion, my opinion, you're not superstar athletes in this league if you cannot find a way to get your team to the conference finals. We just saw it with Alexander Ovechkin. First time in his career, 109 playoff games for Alex Ovechkin before he has played in a conference finals game. 109. 1,003 regular season games for Alexander Ovechkin. What is different? Nothing. The Washington Capitals, the Toronto Raptors, you look at so many of these teams, the Washington Nationals, the Washington Wizards, every team in Washington essentially, you look at so many of these teams, the Philadelphia Eagles for a long time, they knocked on the door, they knocked on the door, they knocked on the door, and so few were able to break through. We saw the Mavericks break through in 2011, they were around and 
you know, the later 2000s, you know, 2006, 2007, uh, weren't that good, then broke through and beat LeBron in his first year in Miami in 2011. We saw the Mavericks break through. But more times than not, you hear so much about the teams that knock on the door and don't ever break through. Then you do the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. That is why you have to appreciate what you're watching now. Jalen Rose said it the other day. People get mad at Golden State winning every single year. People get mad at LeBron James being so good and finding a way, willing a way, getting better 15 years into the league at 33 years old. They get mad. They don't appreciate watching that. Well, the wake-up call is 50% of NBA championships have been won by the Los Angeles Lakers or the Boston Celtics. So you're making an argument about the last four years in the NBA, and I am one of those people as well. I'm a Thunder fan. I was mad when KD went to Golden State. But at the end of the day, in the grand scheme of things, when we look back on the history of the NBA 20, 30 years from now, this whole Golden State versus LeBron James thing, it might not go more than three, maybe four more years. Eventually, they got to get paid. You and I and everyone out there listening knows injuries happen. It is so hard to sustain a dynasty. Could they do it? Are those the players that could do it? Sure. Absolutely. 100%. I just don't believe that when it comes down to making money over the course of the career, if some of these guys already have two or three rings over the course of a five or six year span, they're not going to go try and find that money contract as opposed to maybe staying for the continued championships and not making as much money. But that's just my opinion. Either way. Knocking on the door has been the Toronto Raptors and their nemesis, the Cleveland Cavaliers, continue to have their number. Well, LeBron James is ridiculous. It's unbelievable to think that we, on a regular basis, compare LeBron James to Michael Jordan. We all know Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. He is the greatest player in the NBA. But the fact that LeBron James, and that, again, is my opinion. There's so many different opinions out there. This man is 33 years old. He's only getting better. He can play all five positions on the floor. In a game when LeBron James didn't even need to be good. In a game where his teammates... Kevin Love, 8 of 13 from the field. George Hill, 5 of 8 from the field. Kyle Korver, 6 of 8 from the field. J.R. Smith, 6 of 6 from the field. Larry Nance Jr., 4 of 4 from the field. And on a day when his team didn't need him to be Superman, they didn't need him to come out and carry them, hit a fadeaway floater bank shot to your left-hand side with your right hand to win a game at the buzzer. You don't have to do any of that stuff. And LeBron James goes 12 and 19 from the field, scores 29 points, has 11 assists, and eight rebounds. To me, that is 1,000 billion trillion percent why LeBron James should and always will be compared to Michael Jordan. Now, it depends on 
what side of the debate you fall on. Does the amount of championships matter? Or is it the statistics that matter? Did you have to be the greatest player in terms of all-around game? Or did it come down to who was a great player on some of the greatest teams in the history of the game? Because insert Dan Marino here, you've seen a bunch in the Hall of Fame that have never won championships that are still looked at as the greatest in their sport. But oftentimes, when it comes down to the LeBron James and Michael Jordan debate, it comes down to the fact that even though LeBron James has been to eight straight finals, even though he's accomplished that, people will still find a way to bash him for only winning three of those eight finals. Does anyone realize how hard it is to win a championship in a professional sport, especially on the teams that LeBron James has been on. This is coming from the guy who bet his partner 20 bananas that this was the year LeBron James wasn't going to get back to the finals, that this was the year that he played 82 games. His body was too tired. He wasn't going to make it through the playoffs. I bet against him. I still can't debate whether or not he is on the level of Michael Jordan. Because at the end of the day, when you get better at 33 years old, when you're one of the worst defensive teams in the regular season, and no second option on your team can average double digits in a full playoff series, and you will your team to victory, you one trillion percent. And I'll keep saying it, deserve to be compared to the best player in the entire world. If you want the best construction guy in the entire world, I'm going to urge you to call Franchise Construction at 973-789-6236. Now, here's the deal. We've told you about Franchise Construction before. They are the best in kitchens, bath, deck, remodeling, redesign, interior and exterior trim. If you need it done on the inside or the outside of your house, Franchise Construction has you covered. Email frank.franchiseconstruction at gmail.com or call 973-789-6236 because we want you to remodel and re-love your home with Franchise Construction. One more time, 973-789-6236 or frank.franchiseconstruction at gmail.com. Also want to remind you, of course, Double A Balls on Twitter and Instagram, com. The Washington Capitals, I mentioned them before, broke through their 20-year curse on getting to the Eastern Conference Finals with a 2-1 Game 6 road overtime victory against the Pittsburgh 
Penguins, Alexander Ovechkin, the assists on Evgeny Kuznetsov's overtime winner to send the Caps to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'll tell you what, Alexander Ovechkin was elated after this game. He said this to reporters, it feels great. I've never been in this position before. As I mentioned, 109 playoff games, 1,003 regular season games before reaching this point in his career. Thank God this happened. We move forward. And now I can't wait for the next game and to get ready for Tampa. It wasn't only the Washington Capitals and Alexander Ovechkin that were able to defeat some conference finals demons. Head coach Barry Trotz had coached 1,500 plus regular season games and 101 playoff games in his career without reaching a conference finals. So throw him into the mix. It's a huge day for the Capitals and their franchise. They go on to play the Tampa Bay Lightning. That is going to be a very tough series, but I think at this point, if you're a Washington Capital or a Washington Capitals fan, you are excited. Ovechkin, 15 points in 12 games, in 12 playoff games, excuse me, so far through the first two rounds for Alexander Ovechkin. So he is leading that team moving forward. In other hockey news this week, the Nashville Predators force a game seven against the Winnipeg Jets. Yes, that is right. The Nashville Predators, Pecorini had a great game for the Nashville Predators. He stopped 34 shots in his second shutout of the 2018 playoffs. Phillips Forsberg, who's becoming a stud in the NHL. My partner picked him, caps off to Anthony Rinaldi in his What Do You Got? I believe it was two weeks ago. And Phillips Forsberg comes through again for the Nashville Predators with two goals. So we shift to game seven. Predators versus the Jets. So we shift to game seven, Thursday night, 8 p.m. in Nashville. I am taking the Predators in that game. I think the momentum shift of Nashville going into Winnipeg and winning a road game in game six to force a game seven. This is why you try and finish with a better seed in the regular season so that you can have this home ice advantage in game seven. So Predators versus Jets, of course, a great series. The other thing, of course, these two teams are playing so that they can face off in the Western Conference Finals against the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And this expansion Golden Knights team has been a very, very cool story across the NHL this year, but really across sports in general because it is such a tough thing to do for an expansion franchise to come in and not only compete in their first season but make the playoffs in their first season and now go to the conference finals in their first season so you have to tip your cap to the front office of the Golden Knights they did a fantastic job when they drafted from each team that they were able to draft players from so in the NHL how it works if you don't know each team is allowed to essentially lock certain players on their roster and then the Golden Knights go through each team in the NHL and they're able to take one guy off their roster so they can help build their roster and why I say that there's so much credit needs to go to the Golden Knights 
front office is because to be able to take players that essentially other teams didn't feel were important enough to protect and bring them together and not only compete, like I said before, or just go to the playoffs, like I said before, they go in and they go to the Western Conference Finals. They defeated San Jose Sharks in six games. The question that arose for me, and I was planning on asking my partner this, and I will get around to asking him this. The question that arose for me was, did the Las Vegas Golden Knights now make the transition for the Oakland Raiders that much easier into Las Vegas? Because we all worry about, and I say we all, like I'm a part of this whole contingency that was moving these teams to Las Vegas or believed it was a good option to move these teams to Las Vegas. But the general public, we shall say, were weary of the move to Vegas because of either the fans or the strip or either the away teams that come into town and maybe not play as well because they get distracted with being in Las Vegas, or which still may reign true, or the fact that there might not be enough fans in Las Vegas because it's a transient town and there's maybe more people from around than in Nevada that are going to want to be at the games, will it thrive in that type of environment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, this team has proven everything and some that it can thrive in that environment, that it can be awesome, and that a professional sports team, even if it's considered the fourth of the four major sports, can seriously thrive in that town. So it poses the question, is the transition for the Oakland Raiders now significantly easier because the Las Vegas Golden Knights have opened up the positive floodgates of having a professional franchise in Las Vegas. And to put the cherry on top for the Oakland Raiders, now going to be Las Vegas Raiders, you're also the most popular sport in America right now coming in with a professional franchise that already has an insane fan base. Will you lose fans in the process? Sure. Do people believe in John Gruden? Maybe, maybe not. Is that the right choice? Who knows? He's a great face. He's a nut job. He's going to excite the media, which I'm sure is positive. All press is good press, so they say. Either way, the Golden Knights have paved a way for the Oakland Raiders to become the Las Vegas Raiders and have one step in the positive direction towards grasping a fan base and making a very tough, very hard move. This is a staple franchise in the NFL. This is a franchise that has long time been considered a very hard place to play because of the fans that they have in Oakland. This is not a franchise that you expected to leave Oakland. It is now going to Again, a different place like Las Vegas. If you told me you were putting another NFL franchise in Texas, I'd probably understand it. If you told me you were putting another NFL franchise in Chicago, I might understand it because they're two baseball teams. They both thrive. But when you tell me you're putting two professional franchises in Las Vegas... There's a question mark there. And the Las Vegas Golden Knights 
maybe merely for one single hockey season. Maybe this all goes away next year. Maybe it doesn't matter at all. But at the end of the day, hockey isn't the most watched, highest rated of the four major sports. But football, 100% is. So that transition, thank you Golden Knights, is now that much easier. Of course, that NHL update, which maybe had a little bit of a football twist, was brought to you by Frankie Franchise Construction. And of course, like we said before, we want you to re-love your home with Frank Franchise Construction. Frank.FranchiseConstruction at gmail.com or 973-789-6236. We are moving right along in this double A-balls solo operation by your host, Andrew Romanella, episode 17 of the Double A Balls podcast. My partner, Anthony Rinaldi, is on assignment, like I said before, hopefully coming back with some knowledge for the podcast to enhance this operation. Of course, we will have a Friday morning dab coming your way this week. Stay up to us, like I've said already, on the social media, Twitter, and Instagram. It's always my favorite time of the show when we get to get into the baseball section of the program. And the New York Mets traded Matt Harvey for a catcher that was very needed, was in no way, shape, or form the best option in terms of what you really want as your starting catcher or a catcher in your organization in general. A guy that has been a little injury prone in his career and in his seven years in the league has had one all-star season and really overall one to two good seasons in the MLB. But Matt Harvey did not get dumped for nothing. The Mets maybe merely a smidge addressed their need at the catching position. My brother makes this point all the time. The Mets starting catchers have gotten hurt. Maybe Travis Darno and Kevin Pluecki, more so Kevin Pluecki, aren't the greatest options in baseball in terms of a long-term solution behind home plate, at the dish, in your lineup, as an everyday catcher, throwing runners out, whatever it may be. But the one thing you can say about Kevin Ploiecki's game is Kevin Ploiecki did a good job with the pitching staff, making sure they kept runs off the board, put the pitchers in the best position to succeed, were on the same page through the right pitches, in the right counts, to the right guys, knew their scouting reports, and that is why the Mets were succeeding as starters and as relievers at such a high clip. Now, you throw in Nito, you, th- you throw in Lobatone, these guys that, and no disrespect, I'm a firm believer as a baseball coach myself, as an independent baseball coach for a little bit, If you can make it to a professional level in any sport, you deserve a lot of praise. I'm not the type of guy that's going to ream you for striking out. I'm not the type of guy that's going to get upset with these players when they play terrible. Will I be disappointed? Sure. Will I complain? Sure. I'm a fan. I'm a human. That happens. But in the grand scheme of things, 
your 138 batting average at the big league level is better than 90% of the Americans and fans watching you hit 189 in the big leagues. But the point is, the catching situation since Kevin Ploiecki got hurt has not been good for the New York Mets. And since that has happened, the New York Mets have played terrible baseball. They beat the Cincinnati Reds 7-6 to the other night and were able to end a, a six-game losing streak. But then they come back out and Jason Vargas is terrible. Right now, the New York Mets have two starters. And I would even say it's 1.5 because Noah Syndergaard is not dominant right now. Noah Syndergaard is pretty good. He's, gonna, he's giving you six or seven three-earned runs. Jacob deGrom is coming off a 10-day stint on the DL. He missed one start. I thought that was very smart of the organization. Be smart with who is your best starter right now. He is your number one. He is the guy that you feel most confident to get you wins. But right now, Zach Wheeler's getting lit up. Jason Vargas is getting lit up. Steven Matz is same old Steven Matz. And it doesn't look very good for the New York Mets. And the only thing I can point to, continually point to, is the catching position. So Matt Harvey gets traded to the Cincinnati Reds, who the Mets are currently playing in a three-game series, for Devin Mesoraco. Devin Mesoraco is a career 234 hitter. He's got... 48 total home runs, 162 total RBIs. Like I said before, he's played seven years. This is now his eighth year in the MLB, and he spent his entire career in the NL in Cincinnati. In 2014, it was his all-star year. He hit 273, had 25 home runs and 80 RBIs. But since then, the problem for Devin Mesoraco has been injury. It has not been his ability to play at the big league level because in 2013, he showed the ability in 103 games, hitting 238 with 42 ribbies and nine home runs. In 2014, he got his all-star year, the stats I just mentioned. But then in 2015 till now, it has been injuries that has played this season. 15, 23 games played. 2016, 16 games played. 2017, 56 games played. And so far in 2018, he has played in 18 games for the Cincinnati Reds. So what do you make of this? Will the Mets get back some cash, probably to pay off some of that contract and some of the contract that Devin, Devin Mesorosco brings over because his is higher than Matt Harvey's? They get a change of scenery, a guy that has talent, a guy that if can stay healthy, which makes me laugh because he's coming to the New York Mets who seem to never stay healthy, but if can stay healthy, can be a very viable starting option for you. And I think the way the Mets look at it, well, at least the way I look at it, is if Devin Mesoraco can come in here and be a consistent catcher and Kevin Ploiecki can come back from injury and be a consistent catcher, that is your two-headed catching monster going forward. Originally, they wanted Travis Darno and Kevin Ploiecki to be the two-headed monster Moving forward this season at catcher, hopefully combined, they hit 260 at the dish, but they're able to give you the defensive stats and the stats with the pitching staff consistently enough as a two-headed monster to be successful, and it hasn't happened. Travis Darno is getting Tommy John. That's fine with me. That's addition by subtraction, in my opinion. 
But Kevin Pulecki is a pretty solid defensive catcher, especially from a game-calling standpoint, and he's somebody we need back. So hopefully, again, keeping Devin Mesoraco healthy, hopefully the New York Mets can find a way to turn that into a really positive trade for a very negative situation in Matt Harvey. Continuing to play the role of GM in the MLB here on the Double A Balls podcast, I'm thinking about the Los Angeles Dodgers and looking at this team and saying, Clayton Kershaw is now on the DL. He's obviously your number one. He's been your ace for what feels like 10 years now. Is on the DL. Corey Seager is getting Tommy John surgery. Who knows when he's going to come back. Alex Wood has been pretty average. Rich Hell hasn't been great. Jun Jin Ru has been very good. Kenta Maeda has been okay. And Clayton Kershaw has been, for the most part, Clayton Kershaw. But now, he's on the DL. So, where do the Los Angeles Dodgers go from here? Because if that starting staff, and who knows how long the Clayton Kershaw injury is going to last... You obviously hope if you're the Los Angeles Dodgers, it's nothing serious, it's nothing long-term, but at the same time, you know, and I know, he has to take his time. I know he's on the 10-day DL. I know he's beginning to play catch. I know all these things are happening, but at the end of the day, it's a bicep injury. He has to be smart with it. You need him in August September, and hopefully October, you can afford some games in May to make sure your ace is better, especially when you're losing the offensive production in Corey Seager. You do have some offensive production coming through your lineup. Matt Kemp is having a great year. Cody Bellinger is having a pretty good year, only hitting 262 right now, but he's Cody Bellinger. He's going to have to find a way to have a solid year throughout for the Los Angeles Dodgers, but having Clayton Kershaw go down and having what is probably considered a mid-level, middle-of-the-road starting rotation, things are starting to look a little bleak for the Dodgers. And when you look around the standings in the National League, and specifically in the National League West, the Arizona Diamondbacks are 23-11. and 11. The Colorado Rockies are 20-15. and 15. The San Francisco Giants, 19 and 16. And then there are the Los Angeles Dodgers sitting in fourth place at 15 and 19. Eight games back of the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Rockies are on a five-game winning streak right now. Every team, and we've mentioned this before, we put the Diamondbacks as number three in our power rankings on our Friday morning dab. We spoke about the Colorado Rockies. We mentioned the wild card potential for the San Francisco Giants and the great moves they made this offseason. Is it fully panning out? We'll see when Madison Bumgarner comes back. But the Los Angeles Dodgers are in some serious trouble. And if they don't find a way to improve, you might look at this situation come the trade deadline and say, are the Dodgers a seller? Are the Dodgers a team that last year were in the World Series and so quickly have become a seller? Do I think that? No. Will that question be raised? Sure. If things don't start turning around. If you don't start spinning this thing around. 
And it's not going to be easy. You have some key injuries. Justin Turner, add him to the list. And again, I'm going to come back to without Clayton Kershaw, you have a mid-level staff in the Los Angeles Dodgers. What I think happens, they float around three, four games under 500 at 500, one or two games over 500, and then they find a way to get back to health. They find a way to make a run. Will they win the division? No. Will they have a chance at the wild card? Maybe. The problem is the things you didn't see coming. Insert Philadelphia Phillies. Insert Milwaukee Brewers. Insert Chicago Cubs not being that good. Instead of fighting for their division, fighting for the wild card. Insert Washington Nationals. Same position. There is your issue. You have teams overachieving. That would be holding the wild card if the season ended 35 games in, in the Rockies, Brewers, and Phillies. It is a jam-packed middle of the road in the National League. And the Los Angeles Dodgers, along with the Washington Nationals, the Chicago Cubs, the New York Mets, may find themselves looking up at teams like the Braves and teams that they didn't expect to be beating them in the standings and have somehow found a way to make it into the playoffs. And that is why baseball is a funny game. I do believe it should be 130 games, maybe 120 games. I think 162 is way too many. We've played 46 this year in the college game and hopefully making a run to the College World Series. We play another 13 more, which would put us at 59. That's an unbelievable season to think about it. Of course, professionals need to play more. The, the smallest amount of games is 16, but that's football. It's a different animal. Hockey plays 82. Basketball plays 82. 162 is way too many. But at the end of the day, in two weeks, because it's the game of baseball, we'll probably be having a different conversation. Like two weeks ago, the New York Yankees were in panic mode at 10 and 9. Now, they sit at 24 and 10, are streaking up the AL standings, sit only one game back between the Boston Red Sox, and are playing them in a three-game series. Baseball is ever-changing. What also is ever-changing is the weather. And now that we have warm weather, make sure your glass shower doors, broken screens... Busted windows, whatever it may be, is fixed and ready for this summer. Call Hawthorne Glass at 973-427-4344. We have told you plenty of times on this show, your shower doors, your tabletops, your storefronts, your windows, your thermopanes, Hawthorne Glass does it all. Call our man, Angelo. He has over three decades decades of service in the glass industry that is hawthorne glass use the promo code double a balls when you do and receive 10 percent off of your first purchase that's hawthorne glass that's our man angelo that's 973-427-4344 what does that mean that means it's time for what do you got, do you got? and believe me 
just because my partner is not here right now does not mean he did not submit his what do you got pick via text message. So we'll update you on the scoreboard. We'll let you know where it stands from last week. Going into last week, Andrew Romanella was down 13-15 to 15 to his partner, Anthony Rinaldi, who had a record of 15-13. and 13. Andrew chose Luis Severino and the Yankees versus Astros for his what do you got, and that went against a Nashville and Philip Forsberg pick for Anthony Rinaldi. Even though Philip Forsberg did have two goals, as I mentioned before, in Anthony's pick of what do you got, my pick of Luis Severino, who went nine against the defending World Series champions, and the Yankees won that game, gets the two points, bringing the what do you got scoreboard to 15-15 scoreboard all. So, since my partner is not here for what do you got, I will start this what do you got segment with his pick. And because he's getting so much into hockey, is my partner. He's going to take... The Nashville Predators against the Winnipeg Jets on Thursday, May 10th, Game 7 in Nashville, and his player to pick for what do you got is Nashville goaltender Pekka Rene. And as I mentioned before, 34 saves in a huge Game 6 road win for the Nashville Predators, 4 to nothing. So Anthony Rinaldi is taking Pekka Rene, and his reasons is because the goalie stood on his head and proved his worth for the Nashville Predators. So Anthony is riding the hot hand and obviously choosing the Predators to win that game this week on his What Do You Got? All right. So because my partner picked hockey, and I find it funny that when we started this whole what do you got thing? I was the only one that was choosing hockey and my partner was the guy not choosing hockey. I have decided to go to the hardwood. What do you got? And where I'm going in the hardwood is game five of the Eastern Conference semifinals between the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers. I believe in my heart of hearts that this series is over. I think the Celtics are going to win. I think they're going to win this game five. And I think my man Terry Rozier is going to absolutely trounce on the 76ers and Joel Embiid for the comments he made after the game, for the way he acted during the whole scuffle. I think Terry Rozier is going to come out like a man possessed. He already plays with a chip on his shoulder because he's somebody in the league that maybe a lot of people don't didn't believe or, or didn't believe was going to be a great player in the league. And, and this playoffs specifically, he has proven that for Boston in a time when Kyrie Irving's out and Gordon Hayward didn't even play the whole year because of his injury. And you never expected a guy like Terry Rozier to come out of nowhere and be the guy for the Boston Celtics. So I'm taking the Celtics versus the Sixers, 8 p.m. Wednesday night. Game five of that series, I expect the Celtics to close this bad boy out. And I'm taking my little man, Terry Rozier, for the Boston Celtics. And to remind you, Anthony takes the Predators versus the Jets. And he has Pecorine for his player to watch in his what do you got. 
It has been a great solo episode here on the Double A Balls podcast. Of course, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Double A Balls on both social media blitz. Shout out to my partner on assignment, Anthony Rinaldi. He will be back with us on the Friday morning. Dad, be sure to visit DAABpodcast.com. Shop for your gear, your power arm performance, Double A Balls podcast gear. And of course, head over to iTunes, head over to Apple Podcasts, head over to Podbean, subscribe to the podcast, like it, rate it, do it all for us. I am your host, Andrew Romanella. On behalf of my partner, Anthony Rinaldi, this is the Double A Balls podcast, and I am out. You say, oh, you got that outfit, hell no, next time I smile. As long as I stay hustling, I'm gonna shine. This has been the Double A Balls Podcast, powered by Power Arm Performance, your leader in baseball and softball training apparel. Visit www.powerarmperformance.com to get your apparel and start training like the pros today. Fuck my shoes off for y'all bitch niggas.